Let's get ready for a quarterback battle at Alcorn State. In North Carolina, a and has four candidates in the mix for their coaching position. Oh yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU. Your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on HBCU podcast, your number one. Daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. The Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports Editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked on HBCU your first listen of the day every day day and remember just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over it just means it's time to follow me on twitter at south exclusives which you can see right here on the bottom of the screen the lovely graphic that i love signaling to on a occasional basis right but make sure you guys follow me there and don't forget the s on the end if you're on the audio side of things now i think there is a quarterback controversy a quarterback battle at Alcorn state however you want to phrase it it's the same thing in different terms there is a quarterback challenge battle controversy going on between aaron allen and tyler macron now eighth 167 those numbers probably mean nothing to you until you contextualize them so Alcorn had the eighth-ranked passing offense in the SWAC this year. They only averaged 167 yards a game this year. Those aren't Alcorn numbers. Those aren't the numbers that they're used to. You know, Alcorn, Alcorn kind of has a, a reputation of being kind of a quarterback you of sorts. You know, just having great quarterback play in HBCU football. And that's not what we saw this year. We didn't see that from Aaron Allen this year. And now I want to be very clear. I'm not ruling out Allen. If I wanted to rule out Allen, I wouldn't say it was a battle or a controversy. I would just say Tyler Macron is going to be the next Alcorn State quarterback. And I easily could have said that. And it wouldn't have been a hot take. People would have challenged me in the comments, but people challenge me in the comments all the time. That's what it is. People are going to have differences of opinion. But it wouldn't have been a hot take. It wouldn't have been crazy to say. The idea that Tyler Macron would have been the next quarterback for Alcorn State. Yeah, very believable. Very believable. But that's not what I'm here to say today. I'm here to say that there is a quarterback controversy, a quarterback battle. See, when you look at Tyler Macron, he's kind of similar to two other quarterbacks in the swag, and that's Jeremy Musa and also D. Davis. Both of these quarterbacks are SEC transplants who joined the swag, right? And these are big shoes to fill. So it's, it's, it's not as if, you know, he's just coming behind a couple of people who ain't nothing. No, Jeremy Musa was the second team all swag quarterback last year. D. Davis was a hot young quarterback last year. If he stays healthy, I think Alabama State is going to be very scary in 2023. These are big shoes that you have to fill, right? Because it's almost like a tradition. Swag quarterback doesn't get the time that he wanted. I mean, excuse me, SEC quarterback doesn't get the time that he wanted. So he comes to the swag and he plays well. I think that I think that Macron's going to have to play well if he gets the job in order to continue or even make it a tradition. I wouldn't even say it's a tradition yet, but if he wants to make it a tradition, then he has to play well. But these, these, these situations in Alcorn is very similar to the situation in FAMU. 
Not Alabama State so much because Miles Crawley wasn't the starting quarterback the year before Davis got there. He was on the roster, but he wasn't the starting quarterback. But you look at FAMU, the starting quarterback came back from the previous season. They brought in Jeremy Musa as a transfer. He wins the job. We see what FAMU does. They have another really good season. Now you look at this with Tyler Macron. Aaron Allen was the starting quarterback last year. Aaron Allen is back. Aaron Allen didn't go anywhere. But now you bring in Tyler Macron. So I think there's a little bit of a quarterback battle, right? I don't even want to call it a controversy because I think it's obvious. It's a quarterback battle. And who knows when we'll get the answer. Last year, I feel like answers didn't start coming in until right before the first game of who was going to be the starting quarterback for some of these schools. Hopefully that's not the case. I would like to have an answer mid, mid-July. I think that's fair. You know, before media day, I would like to have an answer on who's going to be the, who's going to be the quarterback for Alcorn. But here's the thing is I wonder – if you're going to be impatient if you're Alcorn, right? Because you're used to this, right? You're used to Johnson, you're used to Harper, used to them coming in and being that guy year one. Allen wasn't the guy year one. Are you going to have the patience to say, all right, we're going to stick it out with him? You know, or is this a move where it's like, we need good quarterback play now. We need it right now. Because I don't think anybody has a stronghold on the, on the SWAC West. I don't think anybody has a stronghold in the SWAC period, to be honest. You know, but the SWAC West particularly, I don't think anybody just has a stranglehold on that. So maybe like, I got to make sure my quarterback play is on par. Whether that's Allen or whether that's Macron, I got to make sure it's on par. That's the way that I'm thinking personally. When I bring in Tyler Macron after having a season where I don't want my offensive game plan or I don't want my offense to run that way, right? I don't want my passing game to struggle like it did last year. I don't think this is a... I'll be interested to see because if I, in my estimation, it's going to be a battle. So that doesn't mean it's a, a poor reflection on Allen. Listen, the truth is the offense struggled passing the ball last year. That's just the truth. You're going to have to try to improve that. And you improve that by bringing in another quarterback. If Allen is the guy, then he'll win out. If he isn't, then Macron will be your starter. Either way, you got to do what's best for your team. And I think Allen, I think Allen didn't prove that it was his job no matter what last year. And that left the door open for Macron to come in. Right. And when you look at Macron and who he was coming out of high school, he was the 13th ranked dual threat quarterback in his recruiting class. Just 2021. So it's not that long ago. And now he has the time to develop. That's the thing. When you look at these quarterbacks, specifically quarterbacks, because only one gets on the field. So it's not like, oh, I get to get these reps and I, uh, he's, he's used in certain situations. No, most times you're not getting any real time, barely any time, maybe some garbage time if you're lucky. But when you look at the quarterbacks, Macron now has the ability to develop. That's something he didn't have the ability to do at Missouri. He didn't have the chance to develop at Missouri, not with actual gameplay. He was just developing within practice. But now he gets actual game reps if he wins this job. So it'd be something that's very interesting to see if he can manifest himself into what we thought he was going to be coming out of high school. Once again, the number 13 dual threat quarterback in his recruiting class that's in the country, period. Not just the state, but in the country, We'll see what he does when he comes to Alcorn State, if he can beat out Aaron Allen. All I know is that the quarterback position will be better now because somebody will have to rise to the top. Whether that's Allen or Macron, it'll have to be somebody. But as we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, we're going to talk about the quarterback or excuse me, the coaching candidates for North Carolina A&T. I got one that's a splash. If they really want to splash, this is who you need to go ahead and get. Before I get into that, however, today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. They have you covered this season with more odds, props, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is the number one place for all of your sports wagering. Listen, if you really think you know the game, 
You really have confidence in what you think is gonna confidence in what you think is going to happen. Maybe you think this player is gonna go off. Maybe you knew Zion was gonna drop a, a career high forty three points. Maybe you knew that was going to happen, and you wanted to put your money down on that over unders. They have all of that on Bet Online. Anything you could possibly want, they have it on Bet Online. Over unders, player props, uh, game results, anything championship odds mvp odds baseball hockey soccer basketball football college and pro mma anything you could possibly want they have it on bet online they are the most versatile in addition to being the fastest and easiest what a wage on all of your favorite sports bet online where the game starts As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day. Every day for your second listen, don't get off the app. Just keep it running. Type in Locked on Sports today so you do not forget. Because right when I finish talking, you need to listen to Peter Bukowski bring on the local experts to break down the biggest national stories every single day. Get those people who are actually close to the story and they know more than the national guys who are just skimming. Come on now. Y'all know what to do. But I want to continue rolling. I want to talk about North Carolina A&T. They have four candidates in the mix. So that's the rumor, right? The four candidates in the mix for their head coaching position moving into the CAA. They wanted to have a new hire. They wanted a new direction. And I even heard that they were looking for a splash. If North Carolina ANC is looking for a splash, this first guy is the man. We can stop here. Jim Caldwell, former Detroit Lions, former uh, Indianapolis Colts head coach. That's the guy you want. Bringing in an NFL head coach should do wonders for them. You know, you would assume that he has he has experience on the highest level, right, at two different organizations. He had some relative success. He made it to a Super Bowl. He's been a part of Super Bowl winning teams, not as the head coach, but he's been a part of them as a part of the staff. And then also he coached with or he coached Peyton Manning for a while. And by coaching Peyton Manning, I'm assuming he learned some, some study tips, some things that he can pass on to your quarterback. I would assume that bringing in Jim Caldwell would improve your quarterback play. You know, um, look at Jim. Also, look at Hugh. Look at Hugh at Grambling. When Hugh got to Grambling, he hit the recruiting trail almost immediately, right? And his first recruiting class was pretty good, right? You had guys like Fajon Wilson, right? You had a couple of three, four stars who were coming in, and people with Power Five offers who decided, no, I'm going to go ahead and go to an HBCU. And I do believe a lot of that had to do with Hugh Jackson. So we'll see if Jim Caldwell could do the same thing if he's hired. But I mean, that's great. And he has those ties to North Carolina in general, not North Carolina A&T, but just North Carolina in general. And I think that if that's the route, if the splash is the route you want to go, nobody will be a splashier higher than Jim Caldwell of these four candidates. But if you're not simply focused on the splash, you want to make sure culture and all of those things are in order, which you should. Nobody should hire just for a splash, but if you want to make sure everything else is in order, then you start looking at other candidates to see what else they bring to the table other than just their name, right? Because everybody has a resume. Everybody has a name. Everybody has a resume, and we'll see how they stack up. Nobody's name holds the same weight, but maybe what they bring to the table is a little bit different. So let's get into the next of the four. Uh, that's Jerry Mack. Jerry Mack, excuse me, former North Carolina Central head coach, current University of Tennessee running backs coach and recruiting coordinator, and then also was a former offensive coordinator at Rice. So you see him just constantly moving up, right? So you go from the HBCU level, you're a head coach, but you decide that you want to go on a higher level and you go to a, a Rice. 
your offensive coordinator. You go to a University of Tennessee, which is a Power Five school, and they had a really good season this year. And you're a running back coach, but you're also an, uh, a recruiting coordinator. Jerry Mack had a lot of success against North Carolina A&T. If there's anybody who knows what he's about, it's North Carolina A&T. They knocked him off a couple of times when they were nationally ranked. And when you look at his tenure at North Carolina Central, it's hard not to gravitate. It's hard not, it's hard not to look up and see what he did in those first three years at Central and say, nah, that's not the guy we want. His resume looks amazing. And he's done it on an HBCU level. He's familiar with the MEAC. He has that sort of... He has that sort of ability or that sort of that sort of experience that I feel like will keep him from having to actually acclimate. Of course, you got to get back to being, you know, a head coach because you haven't done that in a while. But the acclimation to the MEAC, I don't really think is going to be much of a thing for him. And he's an offensive minded guy. He's another offensive minded guy you have. But I think he's a pretty solid hire and he's coming from the power five ranks. He has that experience as well. Um, so he has just a, a, a variety of different experiences and different roles, different atmospheres that he could pull from. Now you go to guys who are North Carolina A&T connected directly, right? So Sean Gibbs, he was the running backs coach at North Carolina A&T. He coached Tariq Cohen. I mean, he coached Tariq Cohen. He coached Jermaine Martin. He had those times when he was with some really great running backs. And I think that with Tootin leaving, and I'm bummed that he left, but he's gone, right? I think that if you want to continue that streak of really good running backs, because we kind of call, we kind of called Alcorn a quarterback U of sorts. I think this could be a running back U. You know, you got Martin, you got Cohen, you had Tootin for I guess a year. He probably won't go into it, but he had a really good year. And then maybe you want to continue that tradition. Why not go ahead and get those running backs coach from North Carolina A&T back in the day? Why not do that? Makes sense to me. And then you also want to look at him as a head coach because he left and he proved that he could be a head coach. And he went to Fort Valley State, led them to an 8-2 and two record. So he's not just a positional guy. You have that North Carolina A&T buy-in. You have that head coach experience. You have the just that expertise at his position that you benefited from firsthand not that long ago. Jermaine Martin left last year, right? Like this is their first season without Jermaine Martin. So that just goes to tell you just how close it was, right? We, we throw names out there, but let's remember just how long ago it was. You know, that was, that was like last week. <laughs> and then you got the last guy is Courtney Cord, and he's kind of the unicorn of the bunch because he's a defensive guy. He's the only one who's a defensive guy. Everybody else is offensive-minded. And I go back and forth a little bit reading this about how I think that impacts him or how it doesn't impact him. On one hand, they might clearly want an offensive guy. And it's like, okay, we like Cord, we'll talk to him, but we clearly want an offensive guy. And it's kind of, at that point, a battle for him to lose. But on the other hand, maybe it's, we like offensive guys, but Courtney Cord is just such a good candidate. And he's so skilled at what he does, we can't help but consider him. We have, he's fought his way into the mix. Not just, I guess we'll take him. There are two different ways. But he does stand out from everybody else. He was at North Carolina A&T not that long ago, but now he's at North Carolina Central as the defensive coordinator for the Celebration Bowl champions. And once again, you have that MEAC tie-in. You have that North Carolina A&T tie-in. And one way that all of these guys are very similar, the one similarity that all four have, all the way from Caldwell to Cord, is they're all North Carolina tied. You know, you look at Caldwell, he was the coach at Wake Forest back in the day. These other three, they're tied to North Carolina HBCUs, whether that's Central or A&T, but they all have ties to North Carolina, and I don't think that's an accident. I wonder if they feel like 
being used to this area. We talk about acclimation, and I want a coach who's going to give me the least acclimation period, right? Because I don't want a guy who, when I hire a coach, yes, sometimes you know that a year is going to take for it to get together, but I don't want that. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants to your wants your head coach to take a year. They don't want to be bad for a year. You hire a head coach to be great immediately. It just doesn't always turn out that way. You know what I mean? Like that's my point of view. I if I hire my head coach, that's because I want him to be great immediately. If he's not, I'll take it. But you know, that's my hope. Uh, but yeah, so going forward, we're gonna move on. We're gonna talk about transfers. Jalen Howard and Brandon Savage has transferred within their conference. And that's something that's always interesting to me. So we'll break down that move and the possible motivations behind as we continue with Locked on HBCU. Before I do that, today's episode is brought to you by NHTSA. It's a very simple message, and I'll continue to hammer it home. Matter of fact, I guess hammer is kind of a funny word to use here. If you're out drinking and you, and you feel like, all right, I'm about to get hammered. <laughs> I don't really say it like that, but if you feel like you're about to get hammered, okay, get a ride. Prepare ahead of time. Don't even drive, right? I, I When I go out to drink, I tell my friends, listen, I'm not driving. I pull up to your house, you know, but I'm not driving. And if I feel good when I get to the house, then I'll drive home, you know. But I, I don't even put myself in that situation to where if I know we're about to drink, I'm going to drive. I, I don't do it, right? So call yourself a ride share. Set yourself up ahead of time. Um, ask your friends to take you home. There's no shame in coming back the next morning to pick up your car. The only shame is getting on the, ve- or getting on the road in your vehicle and hurting yourself or hurting somebody else. It's just that simple. Drive sober or get pulled over. And we're wrapping up today's episode to talk about some of the transfers that just went in the conference, just went from one team to the other team, but they stayed there. And I'm talking about Jalen Howard and Brandon Savage. Those moves always interest me. Can I question what's your motive? Like, why go there? You know, like, everybody has a reason they went to a school, especially when they transfer. But when they go just across the street, it's like, why'd you do that? You know, um, there's nothing wrong with it. I don't have a problem. Like, this isn't a KD, OKC, the Golden State type of deal, which I'm also kind of tired of talking about, talking about for real. But um, I know I just brought it up unprovoked, but it's also the best, you know, it's the most applicable uh, analogy for it. But it's not one of those situations where it's like, you want to join the team that beat you? No, it's just it just makes me wonder, what was it? Was it when they were recruiting, I liked them? Now that this hasn't worked, maybe I should have went to that school in the first place. Is it a, because uh, you have an intimate knowledge of these guys when you play them. So you get to see how they operate, how they prepare. You get to, you can tell something about the team by the way that they play. And maybe you say, you know what? That is a team I'd like to play for. Does those, do those seeds of doubt creep in after you enter the portal? Is it? during the season those type of things always kind of interest me and uh i'm not gonna go on about it because i don't know how many of y'all are actually interested y'all probably just care about where they go so let's talk about jalen howard and i think his motivations are clear he went from prairie view to southern eric dooley right eric dooley is the clear connector between pv and southern and now he's went to join the only question really is why didn't he do it a year ago why didn't he go with dooley when he first went to southern Right. But let's look at what they'll be getting in Howard Um, in 2021, which was the year that Dooley was there. It was the first year that Howard really played significant time. And it was the last year that Dooley was at PV in that in that season. 
Jalen Howard had 25 catches for 543 yards and five touchdowns. In 2022, the first year without Dooley, you have 16 catches for 336 yards and three touchdowns. Now, raw numbers, that sounds like a gross difference. And it is when you just take the numbers. But when you break it down, it's not the most different. The only thing that's really different between 2021 and 2022 is the usage, how much he was used. The biggest difference is he went from two catches per game to 1.6. And that's not a huge drop, but it's also noticeable because if he did have two catches a game, now you're looking at 20 catches. He played more games in 2021. He played 12 games, had 25 catches. So you're looking at a little bit over two catches per game. That's the biggest difference. Everything else, when you go for a per-catch basis, Jalen Howard didn't fall off. Even though the numbers are different, he didn't just fall off. He's still exactly who he was in 2021. He just didn't have as many catches to show it. So the numbers make you kind of question it. You still have 21 yards per catch. You still have a catch or a touchdown every five catches. That's the same thing in 2021 as it is in 2022. The difference is a couple of decimals, right? So I think it's like 21.7 to 21 even. You're looking at five oh right on the dot five five touchdowns per or one touchdown for every five catch this one's a little under you know because it's just it's just small differences but one thing you know is constant is southern is going to get one of the best deep threats 21 yards per catch is going to be impressive no matter where you go you do it on 16 catches, you do it on 25 catches that's a constant it's not like Dooley left and all of a sudden his number dropped from 21 to 16 you know or 15 right he's still a very high yards per catch guy on a per catch basis Jalen Howard is just as special as he was in 2021 in 2022 now we'll see now with Dooley if he gets used more maybe he gets back to that 25 maybe even up to 30 catches a game or 30 catches in a season but we'll see and then the next guy who transferred within the conference is Brandon Savage and Brandon Savage went from Norfolk State to Morgan State now he went home I'm sure that had a lot to do with why he went, but also grass just looks greener. The grass just looks greener at Norfolk State. For whatever reason, you know, Norfolk, or excuse me, at Morgan State. Norfolk State just took kind of a nosedive. They were really bad this season. Morgan State looks like they're on the uptick. Morgan State looks like a team that is going to be competing with North Carolina Central and Howard for the MEAC title. So, yeah, I think you're in a better situation and you also get to go home. I'm sure those are his motivations. And what Morgan State is going to get is a sticky corner who knows how to get to the ball. He has a knack for the ball, whether that's pass deflections or interceptions. He didn't play too much this year because he ended up getting injured. He was actually, The last game he played was actually against Morgan State. And I think he might have got a medical red shirt for that because he still has two years of eligibility. And that shouldn't be the case just by looking at how long he played. But he said he had two years of eligibility. And in his first three seasons, so that's 2019, no, 2018, 2019. I got to look. Now, now I think I'm tripping. No, it's 2018, 2019, 2021, right? In those seasons, he has six interceptions total. And you look at that last year, that last season in 2021, he had three interceptions, he had 10 pass deflections, and he was a first-team all-MEAC cornerback. He has a knack for the football, and that's something you're always going to want. If you can be a game-changer, if you can be a turnover machine – at the cornerback position, first off, you have way more room to take chances. You have way more room to where you can falter a little bit and still be skilled, right? Because you, you're going to take those interceptions even if you have to give up a tad. But you have that interception and you're changing the game. 
right? So that, those are two things that I love about my interception or my cornerbacks who force a lot of interceptions, like Zay, Zay Hamilton out at, at Texas Southern. But I didn't have to do that because that's not even what we're talking about. But Brandon Savage is a guy who's going to come and bolster that Morgan State secondary. I already told you, Coach G thinks that's the best secondary in HBCU football next year. They just got better. That's what you should be looking forward to. And on tomorrow's episode, speaking of looking forward, we have Isaiah Guthrie coming on. Yes, I'm excited. The new Jackson State safety is coming on to talk about why he went to Jackson State and also the year that he took off from football. What was that like? We'll be breaking that down tomorrow. So I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day. Every day for your second listen. I hope you already typed it in and you're listening to Peter Bukowski on Locked On Sports today. Breaking out all of the national stories with the local experts. And in the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.